everybody. Welcome to episode number 94 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I'm your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Now, Chris, I should say that this is episode 94, take two, because I left the AC running the entire time that we had been recording, so here we are, starting back at zero. Bud, I do apologize. In this goddamn heat lately, it's kind of hard to even be inside your house uh, at night without the fucking AC on. I was wondering why I couldn't hear you so well, Chris. <laughs> God. Meanwhile, I'm over here in 85-degree room sweating my balls. <laughs> so, let's get this thing going, dude. I mean, we, we have been uh, on a, a bit of a hiatus again, but I, I feel like now that the summer is coming to an end, we should be able to get back on uh, a fairly routine schedule. Or maybe not, Chris, because if I'm correct, your nuptials are coming up in just a few weeks. Oh, indeed, they are. And being that it's at my house, that means I have to do a ton of shit here before uh, the day comes, so... As for me, Chris, uh, and and thank you for asking, I've been uh, fine. I've been traveling around like a madman uh, the past few weeks. I've gone from Yonkers to Atlantic City for my son's karate tournament. And then from there, all the way up to Maine, and I just calculated everything out. Within the past week or so, I've spent nearly 20 hours in the car. Uh, That could drive you to freaking drink. Oh, it can drive you absolutely insane. But uh, nonetheless, it all worked out, and here I am. Now, that ties in perfectly to what we're talking about tonight. Because, Chris, if I did have the skills of the gentleman that we are speaking of tonight, I would not have found myself sitting in that hellacious traffic. But tonight, we are talking about the one and only Mr. Thomas Fitzpatrick, also known as Tommy Fitz to his family and friends. Now, you may say, what makes Thomas Fitzpatrick so special? Well, (laughs) we're going to get into it, Chris, because this guy is literally a legend. He has accomplished more in his life than anybody I've ever seen. And we're we're going to uh, dig deep into all that. But what makes Tommy's story so special is (laughs) the aeronautic feat that he pulled off not once, Chris, but twice. (laughs) It seems that old Tommy here was at a bar on a fateful evening on September 29th, of 1956, that's when a bet was made by a patron at the same bar who said to Tommy that, you know what, there's no chance in hell that you could leave this bar, get to New Jersey, and be back at the very same bar within 15 minutes. Well, Tommy, having quite a bit of self-confidence in his own abilities, and uh, being a man's man, took that bet, Chris, and... uh, Lo and behold, Tommy won. And you may think, how the hell could he have done it? Was he just zipping through traffic at outrageous rates of speed? No. Chris, Chris, please. Yeah, I'm trying to build up a scene here. (laughs) No, no, no is right, little buddy. No, uh, our man Tommy, he stole a plane, Chris. And he landed the goddamn thing right in front of the same bar he was drinking at. Mere moments before. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you telling me that this drunken bastard left the bar, went to an airport nearby, who the hell knows how he got there, gets a plane, 
flies it, has the actual nerve to know exactly where the bar is that he left and lands it right in front of him. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you, Chris. And not only that, old Tommy Fitz <laughs> landed the plane and walked into the bar just in time for last call at 3 a.m. <laughs> I kid you not. This is a true story. Indeed, this is a legend. So, just on this alone. Yes. So, Chris, this happened not only once, but it happened twice a couple years later. But before we get into all the details of how exactly he pulled this off, as I often say, Chris, we're left with no other choice but to go backwards in order to go forward. So, Chris, what do you say we take this plane in for a landing and dive right into the life of Tommy Fitz? So, Chris, uh, I'll pilot this section here, and uh, but uh, I want you to be my co-pilot, and you be ready at any time I hand it off to you. Sounds good. I say, Chris, any time I hand it off to you. I, I, I heard you the first time. <laughs> All right, Chris, let's do this. I'm already burning alive here. I knew that it was too good to be true with that AC on. But uh, here we go, nonetheless. Tommy Fitzpatrick was born in 1930. Oh, shit. In your hometown, Chris... The Washington Heights section of Manhattan. So you got to imagine at this point in time, Tommy uh, grown up in the 30s and 40s in uh, Upper Manhattan. He had to be somewhat of a tough kid, and uh, boy, that is the understatement of all times, Chris. Because there's not much known about Tommy's childhood other than some of the standout points, and uh, these points are, are truly remarkable. It seems that Tommy lied about his age to get into New York State National Guard. Chris, at the age of 13. Damn. <laughs> yes, he was indeed found out, but his parents did eventually give him permission to stay within the National Guard there. So he fulfilled his commitment there, and get this, he was honorably discharged, and you would think, wow, okay, so what, at the age of 15, <laughs> you got an honorable discharge from the uh, National Guard, you're gonna, I don't know, maybe go to high school? After that. <laughs> but no, no, no. Our man Tommy decides to join the Marines at age 15, Chris. Fucking hero. Yeah, th this guy's unbelievable. I mean, you talk about balls of steel. And this was right around the time of World War II. And during his enrollment, Tommy was actually deployed into the Pacific. So, I mean, this teenager, this, this young boy... <laughs> has already done more than most grown men that I know at the age of 15. This is unbelievable. So one thing leads to another, and uh, Tommy successfully completes his time with the Marines, and he's honorably discharged yet again. So Chris, you would think at this point, having served in the New York State National Guard and the Marines, that Tommy is probably going to move on from military life and begin living life as a civilian, albeit a very young one. I say, Chris? <laughs> yeah, I would assume some, something like that, of course. Kid's 17 years old, for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, you would assume so, Chris, but uh, your assumption would be, oh, so very wrong. It seems that Tommy did indeed spend a few years uh, living as a civilian, but his heart was calling him back to military service, and uh, that's exactly what he did. At this point in time, 
Tommy decides to enlist in the United States Army. <laughs> so now, Chris, we have this young kid who joined the National Guard at 13, the Marines at 15, and now here he is enlisting in the United States Army. And this is during the Korean War, so this had to be sometime within the early 50s. As if this guy wasn't already a legend, we find out that Tommy was indeed injured in battle. He suffered a very bad concussion. He was hit with various pieces of shrapnel. And at that point, he was rendered unconscious. He woke up days later at a hospital in Tokyo. But that didn't stop Tommy because he recovered and finished out the war with the army. At that point in time, Chris, he received a Purple Heart. One of the highest distinctions that you could receive <laughs> in any military branch, Chris. This is unbelievable. And all this taking place by early 20s? <laughs> yeah, he had to be because he was born in 1930 and you figured he joined the, the Guard in 13 and the Marines at 15 and in the Korean War starting in, I believe, 1950 or so. So yeah, it makes sense that he would be in his early 20s. But Chris, Tommy's ambition, as one could surmise, did not end there. I mean, at this point, you got to be a fool to think that you're going to be holding old Tommy Fitz back. <laughs> he, he just couldn't stop, man. He, he couldn't stop achieving. Some of his other accolades that uh, I, I've researched and found out, get this, Chris, becoming a heavyweight champion boxer within the ranks of the United States Army. Wow. Yep. And then afterwards, becoming a military police officer working within Times Square but all these accolades were still not enough to keep Thomas Fitzpatrick at bay. Because it seems, Chris, during his time in the Marines, uh, when he was in his mid-teens, 15, 16 years old, he developed a fascination with uh, flying and all things aeronautic. And he took this fascination with flying into civilian life. At some point after all three of his honorable discharges, that Tommy actually enrolled in a flying school at the Teterboro School of Aeronautics in New Jersey. All this happening, Chris, by his mid-20s. Can you imagine rolling up to a place with that resume? Oh my God, I mean, <laughs> you're hired. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not only fighting for your country in three different branches, just outrageous. And, and, and having... Had some interest, like you said, like he was flying a reconnaissance plane in his teens. The balls I on this kid. Up. I mean, I'd be like, I'd be like, I wish you were my son. See, oh my God, I'm serious. This guy, this guy's invincible. And not only that, somehow he found a time to become a fucking heavyweight champ. Tommy the Fist Fitz. <laughs> oh my God, this is unbelievable. I mean, there's nothing not to like about Tommy. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, there, well. I guess there are some people who didn't like the fact uh, <laughs> of what we're going to be talking about next, but uh, nonetheless, that's just as impressive as his resume, Chris. Uh, Listen to me, though. You sit down and you stare at me straight in the eye. You tell me you don't want to have a drink with this guy right now. Oh, my God. This guy is my hero. <laughs> this guy's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, Tommy Fitz is a real go-getter, Chris. Uh, it's, just, it's a heartwarming story. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, all joking aside, I mean... Thomas Fitzpatrick is a legend, man. This is truly unbelievable. I mean, you're not going to find a guy like this walking around in, <laughs> in today's society. <laughs> Absolutely not. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's that <laughs> supposed to mean, Chris? 
Oh, you like me. No, no, you no, like no. You're comment. done. You're done. <laughs> so, Chris, now why don't we circle back around? I think that's an aviation term, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to circle back around to that fateful night that we discussed in the opening of the show, Chris. So, on the night of September 29th, 1956, Thomas Fitzpatrick was back in the Washington Heights section of New York. And mind you, at this point, he's living in New Jersey. Uh, oh, your other hometown, Chris, Carlstadt, New Jersey. But as the story goes, he was still in touch with families and friends that were still living in the Washington Heights section of Manhattan. And it seems that he was indeed there for a bachelor party. Much like you and I were, Chris, that, that uh, fateful night when uh, you had a run-in with a New York City rat. I swear to God, it was a bear. <laughs> yeah, Chris and I were at a French bachelor party in Manhattan, and uh, we arrived late, fashionably late as usual, and uh, we heard <laughs> a little bit of rustling. At, uh, it was garbage day. Um, the garbage <laughs> was let out uh, that evening to be picked up in the early morning hours. Unfortunately for Chris, I, I was back a few feet. There was a, a shadowy figure that emerged from the depths of the garbages, and <laughs> that figure proceeded to run directly over Chris's foot. Let me tell you right now, no rat should be able to knock over an entire garbage oh my can. God, okay? dude, dude, I, I couldn't. The rest of the night, all I kept doing was circling around. I, I was, <laughs> I was doing complete three sixties. You gotta watch your back down there. <laughs> Yeah, that was unbelievable. Chris, enough about you. Back to Tommy Fitz. So Tommy here on September 29th of 1956, he's at a bachelor party. And, uh, you know, as it usually goes, it just never ends with the party. There's an after party. And that's exactly what uh, Tommy and his friends did. They ended up at an establishment called Joe's, which was on the corner of 191st Street and St. Nicholas Avenue. So Tommy's there and he's hanging out with his friends. They're kicking back a drink or seven or eight and uh chris <laughs> at that point somebody makes a little bit of a wager with tommy don't they oh they do indeed tommy's not the kind of guy to uh say he can't do something there's no no in his vocabulary i mean can you blame him <laughs> no <laughs> Whilst located in this bar, someone says to him, I bet that you can't get from New Jersey to New York City in 15 minutes. <laughs> wait, wait. How is that even possible? I mean, I, I get that it's the 1950s. It's uh, probably late in the evening or going into the early morning hours. But uh, still, that would be uh, quite the feat. 15 minutes. Well, uh, as we uh, found out earlier, our man has a little access to airplanes at Teterboro Airport. What are you getting at? <laughs> well, basically what I'm saying is, uh, after midnight hours, our man, upon receiving this bet, accepts said bet, goes to Teterboro Airport. Leaves the bar in his car, drives over to Teterboro. Is that what you're telling me? This is fact. Okay. He gets a plane. Mind you, we are talking about a drunk Tommy Fitz. Oh, no, no. Don't you dare judge Tommy. <laughs> he takes off in the middle of the night, and he flies this plane from Teterboro Airport 
and at the corner of 191st Street and St. Nicholas Avenue, much like St. Nick, he comes flying in, except not on a sleigh. No, come on. No sleigh. This is a single-engine airplane, and he lands right outside the bar in the middle of the street. So you're telling me Tommy won the bet. He did it. He, and get this, he didn't even have the lights on in the plane. I believe it, it was said that he he just basically looked out the freaking window <laughs> and he landed this bitch. <laughs> yeah, because, you're right, there were no lights because uh, somebody said that he tried to land in a nearby park, but he's like, oh, you know, fuck this, I, I can't see, I'm, I'm going to hit something. <laughs> so this crazy bastard says, you know what, let's just park it right in front of the bar. I mean, it's the city of lights, a better <laughs> runway. And Chris, as I said earlier, he landed it with the, the absolute unbelievable precision that you mentioned, but it was all done within time for Tommy to walk back in for last call at 3M. Just absolutely unbelievable in every way possible. Now, I have a quote here, Chris. Uh, I watched... Uh, some video on this on uh, YouTube and uh, the guy with the bow tie who looked just like you, he um, said that uh, <laughs> the Pittsburgh uh, Post-Gazette, <laughs> get this, they were quoted as saying that Tommy's landing was breathtakingly perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and the New York Times called it a feat of aeronautics. <laughs> this is unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> dude, I, 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 I can't keep harping on this, but I mean, we got a, a, a veteran three times over a boxing champion, a, a pilot, a, airplane mechanic. A, an airplane mechanic. We come to find out that Tommy then becomes a, a, a pipe fitter. So, I mean, <laughs> this guy's just unbelievable. Let's unravel this if we can. Tommy lands the goddamn thing, goes back into the drink for last call, has another drink. It's at this point that Tommy has a friend drive him back to New Jersey, back to the airport so he can get his car. I guess Tommy was unable to get the plane started or it was too risky to try to take off on the streets of Manhattan. So he just leaves the plane and takes off to go back to pick up his car at Teterboro. So when uh, all the people in the neighborhood, they wake up, they find a fucking plane in the middle of the road, Chris. Can you imagine that shit? We, we should talk about the aftermath a little bit too because obviously... Because he stole a plane and landed in the middle of the city streets where a plane is not supposed to be landed, there were some repercussions. And uh, Well, yes, we're leaving out one very important uh, part, though, Chris. Uh, was this Tommy's airplane? <laughs> <laughs> well, define that exactly. Uh, uh, was uh, Thomas Fitzpatrick, old Tommy Fitz, was he the owner... Of this aircraft that, that that he took out of Teterboro Airport and landed on the streets of uh, Manhattan. Well, he he was kind of working there at the time. I, Chris, I give you... answer the goddamn question. Was this Tommy... The... <laughs> did Tommy own his plane? It could have been the company plane. <laughs> he did not, in oh, fact, no. own this plane. Oh, Tommy! <laughs> so... He has a couple of uh, questions that need answering. The following morning, it seems that Tommy was indeed arrested for landing the plane on the streets of Manhattan. And uh, in addition to that, <laughs> theft. I mean, I think the police had to be hard-pressed to even make an arrest at this point, especially when you, you know 
Tommy's history. <laughs> He's a vet three times over. Just the extraordinary feat of being able to perform this act. I mean, that, that's a get-out-of-jail-free card in my mind. I, thought, I think he was probably signing autographs at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so he ends up getting fined, you know, obviously. And it was, I think they said it was about the equivalent of $1,000 today. But the plane's owner refused to press charges. All right. That's Absolutely like refused to press charges. All right. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> the police had the same way of thinking that we did. I mean, they were somewhat impressed. And, you know, he walked away with a fine here. The owner didn't want to press charges. And Sergeant Harold Behrens actually said, and I'm getting this quote directly from an allthatsinteresting.com article on this very same topic. It seems that old Sergeant Behrens of New York City Aviation Bureau said that, and I quote Chris, the odds against sticking a landing like that we're 100,000 to one. So as if all the things that Tommy has accomplished in his life thus far, I mean, this is right there with the rest of them, Chris. This is right there with the rest of them. Think about what this guy would have done if he uh, joined the Air Force. Well, I mean, this is unbelievable. And I'm looking at some of the pictures. It's almost as if Tommy tried parallel parking in this thing, but the wings forbade him from doing so. Because <laughs> it is a tight squeeze, man. <laughs> A perfect three-point turn into a parallel park. I mean, this this guy is just beyond. It's unbelievable. There are actual pictures of this, too, on allthatsinteresting.com of a single Cessna plane. And you just see a couple of cops just looking at each other. And, you know, there's like a crowd of people wondering how the fuck this plane the crowd got is, in this spot. The crowd is gathering on all four corners, if I'm correct. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's what appears to be a, a truck rental. I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> they certainly I mean, can't stuff the plane they, I mean, in there. They're pretty, pretty much stuck at that point. But uh, yeah, Chris, I mean, that's it. That is the story of Thomas Fitzpatrick. Aren't you uh, leaving something out? <laughs> Chris, uh, what are you getting at, pal? It's now uh, 95 degrees here in the office. Let's just wrap it up. What else could possibly have happened? We know that they let Tommy off with a meager little fine. The owner of the plane didn't want to press charges. Tommy did indeed win the bet. He went on to live a very happy life afterwards. So let's just wrap it up, Chris. Well, as it turns out, yes, he did end up living a long, happy life. But before that took place, on October 4th of 1958, Tommy was enjoying a beverage or three. Uh, uh, can, can I ask where he was? Was he in New Jersey at this point? And... No, no. He was uh, at the corner of Amsterdam 187th Street. Oh, back in Washington Heights. <laughs> yes, and, you know, he's he likes sometimes having drinks with some friends. Can't you know, why, why not? Yeah, I would. Um, but somebody approached old Tommy Fitz and said, uh, I don't believe you actually did that. I don't believe you actually got a plane and flew it and landed in New York City. Tommy, I'm begging you. I'm begging you, please. Please don't listen to this drunk clown. Just back down. You have nothing more to prove, Tommy. Oh, but Tommy cannot turn down a bet. No. And he says, you wait right here. 
And <laughs> what happens, Chris? Don't 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 tell me. My man goes back to Teterboro. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, fueled with the absolute nerve that he is going to indeed prove the fact that he did do this before. And he gets another plane and decides to once again fly it to New York City. And he does it. So wait a second. You're telling me that Tommy Fitzpatrick... A mere two years later, had the audacity and or brilliance to perform the same death-defying act again? Indeed, he did. He said he would. He said he did. And he said he'd do it again. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it seems that uh, this time, <laughs> people, or I should say the police, and the owner of the plane weren't as thrilled with Tommy as they were the first time. <laughs> yeah, this time the judge, uh, Judge John A. Mullen to be specific, actually sentences Tommy to six months in prison. Oh, that's blasphemous. <laughs> and he says, and I quote, Had you been properly jolted then... It's possible this would not have occurred a second time. <laughs> and the only response from Fitzpatrick was, "It's the lousy drink." I mean, what a great, what a great <laughs> response. And you know, I'm sorry, Judge. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's just the lousy drink. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we find out at this point, Chris, that um, there were several more eyewitnesses. Apparently, <laughs> a bus driver. Saw Tommy fly right overhead, <laughs> directly overhead, and he said that Tommy was so close that all he had to do was put his head out the window, and he was pretty much face-to-face with Tommy as he flew overhead. <laughs> he thought it was going to tear off the top of the bus. Unbelievable, but yet, not only was he able to do this again, but he again had a smooth landing on the streets of New York City. I mean, this is so, I mean, I, I, obviously it's not impossible, but it truly is improbable. But this fucking guy did it. And drunk twice. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't want to joke about that part, Chris. Jesus Christ. Where, where's your mind headed, bud? Um, but uh, yeah, it seems that uh, I, I took a few notes here somewhere that the planes, the second owner of the plane, uh, Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm sorry, David Van Dyke. It seems that uh, our man uh, DVD here wasn't so thrilled, and uh, he was not happy with the fact that uh, Tommy took his plane. And uh, furthermore, we find out that uh, <laughs> that the police themselves weren't uh, overly ecstatic with Tommy's second attempt, albeit a successful one. Uh, it seems that old Tommy Fitz tried denying that it was him. He said, listen, guys, it's not me. I, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. That's when all the eyewitnesses came out of the woodwork and began pointing out Tommy and indeed identifying him as the pilot that landed the plane. He did it! At this point, Tommy knew the charade was up. He was 
arrested and charged with grand larceny and reckless operation of a plane. In addition to that, he faced other charges of unauthorized landing within the city limits. And uh, on top of all that, Chris, it seems that Tommy didn't even have a valid license at this point in time. (laughs) And as you said, uh, old uh, Judge Millen there sentenced Tommy to six months in jail. So my man, all before the age of 30, had served in three branches of the military, stole two planes, and a partridge and a pear tree. <laughs> I mean, is there anything else, Tommy? Anything else you, you, you want to tell us? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, at this point, though, after all of this craziness that I think he got out of his system, I mean, the man's done so much all, like I said, before the age of 30 years old, he does eventually settle in uh, to a life with a woman by the name of Helen. They have three sons, which hopefully did not give him as much grief as he might have given to his own parents. <laughs> he lives out the rest of his days uh, serving as a steamfitter for 51 years. Jesus Christ. I mean, <laughs> I mean, not only, the, you know, all the... All the uh, accomplishments that we've had prior to this, but the fact that he worked for 51 years as a steam footer, my God, man. This is I, inc- I freaking love this guy. Me too. This is incredible. But, um, you know, unfortunately we learned that on September 14th of 2009, Thomas Fitzpatrick died at the age of 79. And, uh, today he's still survived by his three sons, Thomas, Daniel, and Stephen, and his wife, Helen, who you had mentioned, of 51 years. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what kind of bad feedback we got. This guy, this guy is a legend. Absolute legend. And if I were in New York City during this whole thing, I'd want to shake this guy's hand. You're not kidding, man. And indeed, his uh, legacy still lives on, Chris, because it's noted that Thomas Fitzpatrick has a drink named after him. Oh, yes. An alcoholic drink, uh, no less. Well, I should hope so. Yes, and uh, it is called Late Night Flight. Let's see what the Late Night Flight drink is. Yes, what's in that? Let us know. It's made of. Okay. It has Kahlua, vodka, Chambord, blackberries, egg white, and simple syrup. I got to tell you, I don't think I'd want to choke that one down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, with the egg whites there, you're, you're getting um, some form of nutrition, Chris. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you want to throw in any more alcohol in that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know what? You, I, I would, I'd be willing to give it a try, just just for old Fitzy. Just just one for Fitz. Yes, uh, next time we're out, or, or maybe at your wedding. Maybe we have to serve these late-night flights at your wedding, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. I don't, but I don't want to be held responsible for my own actions, Chris, because you do live rather close to an airport. <laughs> and uh, chances are none of us could make a safe landing. <laughs> it's not going to end up well for either of us if we try. But that's it, Chris. That is the story of Thomas Fitzpatrick. Man, I really love this story. Yeah, this was a good story. So, Chris, without any further ado, let me give the rundown. And we can make like Tommy Fitzpatrick and fly the hell on out of here. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. Or uh, if you want to get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram, it's Between the Cracks Podcasts. Uh, anywhere Between the Cracks. Uh, 
<laughs> we'll be there uh, between certain cracks, at least. If you'd love to become one of our lovely patrons, please do so by clicking on the link in the show notes. If for some godforsaken reason you love some BTC merch, the link for that will be in the show notes as well. Woo! So without any further ado, Chris, what do you say we wish to find, find people out in podcast land the fondest? Oh. A farewell. That's a good episode. Yeah, that was good. That's good. All right, bro. Let's try to get one more out before you get married. <laughs> yeah, I might be able to do something next week. But, All right, cool. uh, week after that, I might be. Yeah, we'll fucking yeah, we'll get one more to say. All right, bro. Thanks, man. All right. Bye. Bye.